you cannot remove Lonnie from the Jesus revolution. You cannot remove Lonnie from the Jesus movement. My perspective, I'm owning this statement right now, Lonnie Frisbee was what sparked the Jesus revolution and the Jesus movement. Welcome to Radical Radio with Robbie Dawkins. Robbie is a renowned speaker and equipper in over 70 countries, as well as author of international best-selling book, Do What Jesus Did. Here's your host, Robbie Dawkins. Hi, and welcome to Radical Radio. Uh, I'm Robbie Dawkins, and we are back with you. I am so excited about this segment. Uh, it, it's, it's been a long time coming, but uh, as many of you may know, recently there was released a movie called Jesus Revolution uh, that Greg Laurie put out, and pretty much it's Greg's uh, story, Greg's testimony, and his impact. Well, one of the main characters in this movie, uh, to me, sort of the the main character uh, is Lonnie Frisbee. And Lonnie has uh, impacted my ministry, my life in multiple ways and and has been a uh, somebody that I've just uh, read, devoured all the information I could about. And we're so honored to have uh, a gentleman here with us, Stan Frisbee, who was Lonnie's brother. And uh, we met 10-ish years ago. I think it was 10 or 11 years ago at the Anaheim Vineyard. And, uh, and I remember the first, as soon as we met, uh, and I started asking you, like, I think immediately a million questions about Lonnie and you said, wait a minute. And you ran into the bookstore and you came out and you gave me, uh, this book, uh, that was book number one. That was Lonnie's, uh, book that our mutual friend Roger Sachs had written. And we have all three of the books here, and we'll put a link where you can get Lonnie's books, where you can hear Lonnie's, in Lonnie's words, his story. And I want to make sure that everybody does that because it's a powerful story, and it's a powerful, impactful life from a guy who is in many ways so unlikely and so and so real. One of the things in reading the books, I was like, man, this guy's just so real and he's just so authentic and genuine and no pretense, no put on, no gimmicks, no, you know, nothing like that. And it, it really, really impacted me. And uh, Stan and I uh, began to talk and we've talked on the phone many times since then. But of course, with the recent uh, Jesus Revolution film came out, uh, when I was uh, sitting at the theater, I texted him and I said, about to watch this film. <laughs> he calls me right away as the movie's starting. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. This was, by the way, just a few days ago. Like about two and a half days ago. <laughs> exactly. And so I, 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 I said, let me call you after this uh, movie. And we called, we chatted, talked. And I said, I got to get you out here. We got to get you on Radical Radio. And here you are, my friend. Uh, so good to have you with us. Glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here too. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we're really, really appreciative of you coming and 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 being a part. And if I could say a little bit, and you can, you know, bring this up as we go a little bit. You know, you were a fireman. Uh, you were matter of fact, when I met you, you had on a Hawaiian shirt uh, that was a fi- all firefighter stuff, uh, fire hydrants, fire trucks, fire. And I was like, this guy is a true fireman. Uh, and it was it was so cool. And by the way, just let me say that you're, you're Lonnie's older brother. That's uh, correct. Two older. years older. That's right. Two years older than Lonnie. And and so um, 
What I'd like to do, if you don't mind, we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. And by the way, this will be a part one and part two. Immediately, if you would, go and like the segment immediately and then also share it because this is one you're going to want to share. People need to hear this story. They need to know about Lonnie Frisbee because Lonnie Frisbee's life was really dedicated to advancing the kingdom of God and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere he went. It didn't start that way, and we're about to ask you about that but uh, and, and delve into that. Right. But if you would, uh, tell us about yours and Lonnie's upbringing, your childhood. What, what was home like? Okay. We had uh, five brothers, um, three with Ray and two with Lyle. And uh, I was the older brother, and uh, so... Lonnie, oh, we both had club feet, and we had to wear correctional shoes and cast. And then later, the the club feet were corrected. And uh, as we got older, Lonnie and I both liked to dance. And Lonnie was on shebang. Yeah, was a regular on shebang every night at five o'clock. He would be dancing. So uh, Lonnie and I were different. He he liked art, and uh, he received a scholarship from the boys club and that's looking ahead, but he went to San Francisco to do art on this scholarship. Lonnie and I were different. Yeah. Okay? yeah. I was more like I was on the wrestling team and Lonnie became on the wrestling team too as junior varsity because he wanted to do something like his big brother. Yeah. Okay? Can I, can I ask real quick and I'll bring you back to that with yeah. the wrestling Ray, was that your biological father? Yes. And then Lyle was your stepfather, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so okay. Ray Ray was a, a, a guitar playing. They played at, they called the Green Cat, and he was on the radio. <laughs> cool. And he played uh, music at the Honky Tonk. And mm. he had a brother, George, and they were called the Yaya Brothers. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so uh, that was like the dark side of our family. <laughs> So Lonnie and I grew up, there was three of us, Stan, Lon, Wes, Stanley, Lonnie, Wesley. And then, oh, so here's a quick story that my, Ray was having an affair with this lady Mm. and my mother went to the, to lady's husband Mm -hmm. and said, your, your husband is having an affair with my husband. Your wife. they got to know each other. So they got married. So Jeanette and Lyle got married and then Ray and. Velma got married, so then I had... Wow, I didn't know that. So then wow. I had Steve and Scotty and... St- Scotty and Steve, Steve and Scotty, from Lyle and Jeanette. Then we had Bobby and Buddy from Lyle's first wife and Ray. So we have wow. half-brothers, step-brothers, and uh, in-between brothers. Wow. Yours, mine, and ours. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a mixed family. Yeah. Lonnie had a very special friend named Farrell in Costa Mesa, and she really encouraged his art. Mm. And she, she, that whole family of hers never became Christian. She was just like this wonderful person, okay? And she had Lonnie wear a bell on his left foot, the club foot, to remind him to walk straight with it. Mm. And so he remained friends with her until she died. Wow. And, and her son still lives in our area. Um, and she was the one that was encouraging his artistic side yes, and the developing yes, that gifting. Yes. Wow. So was he getting any of that from your mom and your dad or no? Well, my not mom so was much? very artistic. 
Uh, oh, okay, cool. And my mom and dad really were workers. They just believed in work. Yeah. Okay. So Lonnie didn't like to work that much. He liked to do art stuff. He liked sure. to do creative stuff. I cut you off about the yeah. wrestling. You were going oh, into yeah. okay, the wrestling. part about wrestling. So here's something that goes all the way to the end. When Lonnie was on his deathbed, around mm. about ready to die, he was asking about his Letterman sweater. Mm. He wanted it. Wow. So that was very important to Lonnie in his deathbed. He wanted his Letterman sweater, and we couldn't find it. So but mm. to me, that really said something. You know, that meant a lot to Lonnie. Yeah, and what was that meaning to Lonnie? That he did something that was out of his element. Yeah. He did it for a reason. He wanted to be like his older brother. He yeah. wanted to be strong, and he wasn't strong, but he wanted to be strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, more on the on the stronger masculine side, yes. less on the artistic side. Right. You yes. Know? And yeah. so, wow. Wow. So he did that. And so that was very respectful. Mm. And, uh, and so I met, how did some, that make you feel that it, had this, that had to touch you. It made me feel good. And it was surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. So everything that happened in his life. And at the end, he was still thinking about that. Yeah. Because Lonnie went on, sorry to get, I don't want to get ahead of this, but Lonnie went on to Lonnie impacted the world. He impacted the world. He impacted the Christian world. He impacted the world by bringing so many people to Christ. But here as a man in his last days, breathing his last breath, yeah. he's still looking up to his older brother and going, but I want to identify with you. I want to, and I want your approval. It sounds to me like that's kind of what he was saying. Hey, right. you know, approve of me as a man here. Right. And, wow. and to himself. Yeah, I yeah. I think it was more about himself Yeah, that he did it. That he was proud that he did it. Wow. He didn't have the natural ability. Yeah. But he did it. Because he was more slighter framed than That's you. That's right. He was right. a skinnier, shorter, right. much more slight framed. Yeah. Bless him. I could see that's impacting you, bro. Even yeah, Ronnie right had a really good sense of humor. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. When he was talking, when he met John Rutke, and John Rutke, he saw, John Rutke saw these five and a half shoes. And he expected Lonnie to be this big, burly, big guy, you know. <laughs> and when he when he walked in and he saw Lonnie, Lonnie said, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> and and John, John Rutke became his roommate. Right. They shared your grandmother's house together. Yes, that, yeah. which, which became Lonnie's inheritance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay so uh, Lonnie in junior high... In junior high, Lonnie did entertainment by dancing with one of my girlfriends, did the shag. And I was in the same show. It was like a show uh, in junior high having to do with uh, a talent show. So I imitated Elvis, three different songs, three different groups of people, and Lonnie did the shag with Cindy, mm. special dance. So it, so we And the both, shag was the shuffle yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. both liked to perform. So you never got on shebang, no, no. <laughs> but you're a good dancer. That's true. From what I hear. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> when we would go to junior high dances, uh, they would have dance contests and we would always win it. So they made us judges. Wow. So that was fun that we really enjoyed dancing. Uh, that was part of what we did when we were growing up. Okay. 
You know, Lonnie would talk about, if you don't mind me interjecting, Lonnie would talk about watching, as a boy, TV preachers and oh. stuff like that. But go ahead. You were okay. going to say something um, along those lines. Mouseketeer. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's okay. right. That's right. Lonnie really loved the Mouseketeers. And he would sit and watch. And when it, there was a, a character named Lonnie, when that character came up, Lonnie would stand up and say, Lonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Because so they were to introduce yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was Lonnie. important to Lonnie. So <laughs> Lonnie had a childlike nature. And one of the things I want to tell people in ministry that I've learned from Lonnie, that it's important to have a childlike nature. Yeah. So when you're so studying the Lord and you're studying the Bible and you want to be a Christian, you need to have a childlike nature about you because God has a sense of humor. Yes. And, so uh, true. and Lonnie would say, and if you don't believe it, look in the mirror. Mm, good. And so, uh, so having a childlike nature would catch things with God that you wouldn't normally catch if you didn't have a childlike nature. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, with, with, uh, you, you were talking about with the wrestling and with all that, that seemed to be like the one and only sport activity that Lonnie ever really participated in. Yes. And then of course, grabbing a hold of that you know, towards the end of his life, yes. you know, was an important yeah. thing of saying, Hey, I did this. And, um, but you know, one of the things I was going to ask you about was that he, he talked about, and I don't remember if it was going to your aunt's house or where it was, but he got into watching like TV preachers yes. and he was intrigued With by healing evangelists or Roberts, right. different people. Uh, what, what is that? Do you remember that? Or do, I was barely that remember it. Uh, I know that he loved Catherine Coleman and Oral Roberts. Um, both of our grandmothers influenced us in the Lord, okay? Mm -hmm. One was a Methodist, and she played the piano. That was my mother's mother. Mm -hmm. And then there was another lady named Jackie that uh, was a Pentecostal. And she took us to her church. And I remember it was in Orange. Like, how old were you when that was going on? Like, real young, like five or something. Oh, okay. Real young. Okay. Because you were, you clearly stated you're, you weren't in a Christian home. Yeah. So this we was weren't in a, a Christian person. home. We didn't go to church. Yeah. How often did she take you to church? Like, just, just a few times. A few times. Just a few, a few times, times yeah. that you and went. Her, her, her daughter, Jackie's daughter, uh, was Christian. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and her name is Mary. Yeah. And uh, so, but most of our cousins weren't churchgoers. Right. And so, so you, you, you didn't really have a, a early on Christian influence no. or anything like that. And so like, maybe we could jump up now to some of the, some of the, you know, later more teen years, um, you know, with, with Lonnie. So, you know, going from shebang to being this hippie, Right. Uh, how did that okay. How did that transition? So he went that to happen? San Francisco uh, on the scholarship. Mm -hmm. He dropped out of school at age fifteen. Okay. Okay. And he went to San Francisco. At in, what age, roughly? I think young, like sixteen or something like. Wow. That. Okay. And so he's there, full blown hippie. And so then he gets involved with uh, San Francisco and the love and all that stuff and he's experimented with all kinds of drugs uh he experimented with mushrooms lsd uh marijuana not much drinking neither with i our, our father was an alcoholic 
And so I didn't want to be an alcohol alcoholic. Yeah, but sure. I found out later that I have an addictive personality. And so with that addictive personality, I took it to marijuana because Lonnie turned me on to all these different things, but I hated LSD because it changed how you were. Yeah. Didn't just get you high. It changed your mind. It changed your it thinking. It altered you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, didn't have enough money to become addicted to cocaine. Me. Yeah. That's an expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so Lonnie is... So Lonnie would go to Talk With Falls. This is very, everybody knows this story. We'd go to Talk With Falls, take off all his clothes. And one time he decided he's going to ask the Lord, are you real? Yeah. Naked. Are you real? Show yourself to me. And he had a visitation from God, and then he was afraid. Yeah. Because the atmosphere changed. So God showed Lonnie, I think, an empty sea with people in it. And the Lord gave Lonnie a mantle. And when he came back from that, he told everybody about Jesus, and he lost all his friends. Wow. Now, before this, if, if I could back up just yeah. a little bit, because I want to hit on this. Sure. But Lonnie, like, so when did Lonnie introduce you? Because you, you said that, you know, kind of your first introduction to drugs and things like that was from Lonnie. Yeah. At what age did that happen? Hmm. Roughly. You don't have to be exact. Maybe 19 or something like that. Okay, so you were 19. He would 19. have been 17. 17 yeah. So this would have been probably right before all of this encounter at uh, Takowitz yes. Canyon yes. had happened. Yes. Yeah. And so he was a, he was, it sounds like, and I've heard from other people that were friends with Lonnie bef- before he was a believer, that uh, he was, he would, whatever he was doing, he would turn you on to. That's right. And so he was an evangelist before he was an evangelist of the gospel. That's right. He was getting everybody turned on to substance and stuff like this. So then back to Takowitz Falls, the atmosphere changes. He sees the sea of people. Right. And take it from there, if you would. When he comes back, he starts telling people about Jesus, and he kind of, like, couldn't stop. He just was like, and, and so the people weren't ready for it. And so little by little, he got all his friends back, and a lot of people started coming to the Lord mm. because of. And then, uh, I love the fact he stayed with it. Yeah, that he didn't back off just because no. of the rejection or because of the opposition. Right. And so then, are we ready to hear where he meets Chuck? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, if I can, he did become before this part. He. He went back and, and became a part of a commune group right. at the big house. Is Ted that correct? Wise, Ted Wise. Yeah, 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 Ted. Yeah. And so he got mixed in with there, and they were kind of didn't have it all straight. Sure. They, yeah, they didn't have their doctrine all together because they were just coming from being hippies to Christians, okay? So he did was involved with that. Okay. So then he was hit. He lived in Novato, I think, and he was hitchhiking down to California and how, this is how it goes. Chuck Smith's daughter's boyfriend, John. Right. Picks up Lonnie's hitchhiker. Who's not in the movie. It's really the right. daughter, but it's, it was really the boyfriend. Right, right. Yeah. So John picks him up, and the reason Lonnie's hitchhiking is to witness to who picks him up. The reason John picks up this guy is because he wanted to witness to the hitchhiker. <laughs> so when that was all figured out, Kay Smith wanted to know what made a hippie tick. Mm. And Kay and and... John Chuck Smith would go to Huntington Beach and look at the hippies and try to figure it out. So he brought this real hippie bells on his bell bottoms to Chuck Smith's house, 
and the Holy Spirit was there, and it touched everybody. And so Chuck invited Lonnie to stay at his house, and so then he Can I push pause for one second? Because to me, there's an important part of this story. I'll bring you back into that part because I don't want you to miss the track. One of the things that was really important in this part of the story that Tommy Coombs, who was who was a part Love of Love Song, Song yes. uh, told me. Yes. Uh, Tommy told me, he said, you know, Kay Smith, when when Chuck made the comment, dirty hippies. well, these dirty hippies, they just need to take, take a, bath, a bath and, and they're too far gone. Yeah, get a job, get a job. and they're too yeah. far gone. Kay started crying and looked at Chuck and said, Chuck, you can't say that. You're saying they're beyond the power of God and no one is beyond the power of God. And she really, I wish they would have captured that in the movie because Kay really had a sensitivity to the spirit and clearly a prophetic gift because she later prophesied over Lonnie. But getting back to your part of the story, but Kay really, Kay really had a sense that these people aren't too far gone, though Chuck was seeing it as it's just too far gone. So then picking back up your story, he's he's in Chuck's house. Yeah. God, the presence of God is being yes. felt. So um, he brings his wife, Connie. And so they're there. And uh, eventually, evidently, Lonnie brings people in to the house and uh, baptizing people in the pool. And I heard that they gave some of Kay's clothes away because they're hippies. <laughs> and, uh, and so then Chuck... Chuck, uh, they decided they're going to have, there's too many people. That, so they got uh, uh, about three or four ho- homes that become Christian communes. And one was Blue Top. And that's when the, there's a story having to do with the love song coming to Blue Top. And Lonnie was kind of like the manager of those buildings. And it was mm-hmm. all rented by, rented or owned by um, Chuck Smith. Mm-hmm. And so then, one grew, they got 35 people. They had to get another one. Then they had Mansion Messiah and the House of Miracles. And, and in that, they had all these musical groups that were just bursting up, like Children of the Day. Honey uh, Tree yeah, uh, came out of that. The Honey Tree, yeah. She came yeah, to my house. Love Song. Yeah, the Love By Song. By the way, Honey Tree's an amazing artist and very gifted and anointed wonderful person. I really love her. So the love song, uh, Chuck Gerard was a head guy, and their story, he has a book, their story is very, his story is very similar to Lonnie's. Mm. Hippie, drugs, yeah. and then he, he got into a commercial, he was commercial singing, and then when they became Christians, they came to Chuck Smith, they, they, wanted, they met Chuck, and they said, we just became Christians, we have some songs, we play them for you, yes, they played them, Chuck loved it, can you come this evening and they said yeah I, our, our drummer gets out of jail at uh five o'clock <laughs> and the drummer was in jail for pot yeah drug bust <laughs> and so we got to know the love song and they were very, oh lonnie considered the love song out of the say there's five groups the love song were like the beatles mm-hmm. okay so lonnie would have one or two groups on wednesday nights have one or two groups play and then he would close out with the love song and let me just say, Wednesday night was Lonnie's night, night to preach. Yes, yes. And that's when, because I, 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 I actually, back when he was touring, uh, Chuck Gerard, I, I became friends with Chuck Gerard. I've, I've lost contact with him since. It's right. been, you know, 25 years since I've talked to Chuck. But uh, he told me that, uh, that 
that it, it, in that time period that everybody would come come on Wednesday night because that's that is right. he's, he's like that's where the hippie preacher was right. preaching and that right. was Lonnie and they right. wanted to hear the hippie preacher because they were all hippies too right and they they would just pack out uh, Calvary Chapel on Wednesday nights to hear Lonnie one of their own. Right, and they have a, a song called Little Country Church at the Edge of Town. Yep. That was the first Calvary Chapel, and it was before the tent. And Lonnie, they were so popular with Lonnie that they had glass walls. And so they put speakers, and they had chairs outside the building with the overflow. Wow. People were hanging in the windows. And they get there early to get a seat. Yeah, people were hanging out the windows. And, I mean, this is, again, this is the hippie era that wasn't common at all. No. So when it first happened, uh, uh, the hippies came forward and sat on the ground, and the regular people, which are usually older, they're going, you know, ties, <laughs> ties and jackets, and they're going, and they didn't, everybody heard this, they didn't want to hurt the carpet. And then with I their think bare they, feet. I think they put a sign that said, no bare feet and clean Levi's, something like that. And so then Chuck said the famous statement, if, if we're worried about getting the carpet dirty, take the carpet out and, and let the people come in. Yeah, so good. Such and a I, good response. I saw a film with Lonnie preaching, and, and there's fill, fill the aisles. And he did an altar call, and a whole bunch of people came forward, and I'm thinking, how many non-Christians go to church? Yeah. So on. they were there. And, and people would, kids would go and all this stuff and they'd tell their friends. Then their friends would tell their friends and that's how it multiplied. Yeah. And, and at this time too, uh, I've heard from several people who got saved from this. During the week, not on the Wednesday, not on Sunday, Lonnie was hitting the beach. Oh, yeah. Lonnie would go down to the beach and just open air preach and just say, you know, hey, Jesus loves you. Come to Jesus. Now, of course, Lonnie looked a good bit like a Jesus, a, a Jesus character, and so people would come running down, and I heard um, a gentleman's name slips my mind, but he he was sitting on his towel on the beach, and he goes, I was looking going, what is that crazy guy down there doing? And he said, now, at this time, this was the, the hippie generation. Right. He goes, so we were used to crazy stuff like that and people, you know, saying different things or promoting LSD or whatever. And he said, Lonnie stacked up a couple of great grape uh, uh, cartons or grape boxes. And he just stood up and just said, within like 10 or 15 minutes, basically communicated the gospel and said, now if you want, Jesus loves you, come to Jesus. And he says, all of a sudden, his chest started pounding. And he said, people are getting up off their towels, off their blankets and walking down. And Lonnie starts just baptizing people right there. This isn't what the movie was depicting. That was like an organized at Pirate's Cove. That was right. an organized baptism. Right. But Lonnie would just during the week go down and do this. And then all of a sudden he said, my heart started pounding. And I thought, I don't know what's happening to me. And Lonnie pointed and said, you right there. Gee, the Holy Spirit's all over you. And Jesus is inviting you to come to him. And he says, I could not stop myself. He said, I thought, what's happening to me? And he says, I got up, tears streaming down my face, and I ran down there. Lonnie prayed with him, led him to the Lord, and baptized him right there. Uh, and he said, he said, I, I just, I, he goes, I, I couldn't stop myself. So there was a, there was a powerful anointing on Lonnie's life. Yes, is the reason why I'm saying that. There was an anointing. God had placed this anointing, 
And let me just say, if I can right now, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to get you to say this. I'll say this because as his brother, it may be different. Lonnie had Lonnie not, you cannot remove Lonnie from the Jesus revolution. You cannot remove Lonnie from the Jesus movement. My perspective, I'm owning this statement right now. Lonnie Frisbee was what sparked the Jesus revolution and the Jesus movement. It was Lonnie Frisbee. And the Lord anointed that man for that time for that particular purpose. And Lonnie was the one who sparked it. Now, these other guys and other amazing pastors like Jack Hayford, they caught it. Yeah. They were able to catch it and they were able to 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 figure a way to flow with it. Some parts of it were a little bumpy and uncomfortable for them, but both both Chuck uh Chuck Smith and Jack Hayford were four square pastors, which was a Pentecostal denomination, even though Calvary since I believe they still hold to their Pentecostal preaching, but not Pentecostal practice, which Jack Hayford never walked away from the Pentecostal practice because he believed in that. And that later seems to have, well, let me not get ahead of that because I want to come back to that. I want you to speak to that about the Pentecostal practice of Lonnie versus Chuck Smith, Yes, which you see depicted a bit in the movie but they also glaze over. They also don't, from my perspective, don't highlight enough. Uh, because uh, in the movie, what I saw is I saw Lonnie praying for several people to be healed, but they don't show anybody getting healed. Right. And that was not true. People were constantly getting healed around right. Lonnie yeah. and constantly uh, being touched, impacted. He was uh, casting out demons. One such story to illustrate that was a woman who showed up one day in the parking lot at Calvary Chapel. Lonnie got a phone call from this lady, and she wanted help. And so she started, She he met her in the parking lot. She's driving around the parking lot over and over, and her eyes are going like this. and um, Rolling back into her head yeah, and everything yeah. else. Yeah. And her name is Lucy, and, and Lonnie help deliver her and prayed for her and become friends. She, deliver meaning cast demons, demons out of her. Yes. And she became Lonnie's secretary. But she at that time was a witch. Yeah. She was a practicing witch. <laughs> I think she I think she was in the process of becoming like an official witch. Yeah. She yeah. was in the process. She was into witchcraft at least at that time yeah. on her way to being but an actual witch. She was witch. Like actively tr- trying to become a full-fledged witch. That's what I think was happened. So Lucy became like part of our family, yeah. And we, she became Lonnie's secretary, and uh, so that's one of the wonderful stories that happened. Incredible stories. When it came to them getting, if you don't mind, them getting to the tent, um, you know, because Lonnie really started in ministry. Based on what you just shared, a question I have for you is, when did Lonnie start ministry? But Lonnie really started ministry as soon as he got saved. That's right. As soon as he accepted Christ, he's preaching. Yes. He may not have had the training, the schooling, any of that, but we don't see the apostles really having that either, so that it doesn't really matter, does it, that's all the a, way? That's a good point. Yeah. He, Lonnie would say, people going to, instead of seminary, he'd say cemetery. <laughs> yeah. And he would say, you're lucky to come out with your salvation. And there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. And so... 
Lonnie was all it was all natural. Everything that happened with Lonnie with God and all Lonnie organic. was all organic. And that's one of the things. There's a book that says Lonnie. I feel like Lonnie was a prophet, and I feel no like question Lonnie in my mind. was a mystic. And there's a book on Christian mystics, and it says there's six pages on it, and it says that he's a natural prophet. So everything that Lonnie did had to do with natural flowing with God. And, yeah. And the biggest thing is that Lonnie told us that he could hear, see more in the nat, in the spiritual than he could in the natural. Yeah. And so one of the things about Lonnie was obedience. Yeah. And so, and, and John Wimber too. Now, let me ask you this, um, you know, with this, so, so again, Lonnie started in ministry as soon as he gets saved, which right. I love. Right. Because I always tell everybody, if you have had an encounter with Jesus, you're qualified. Yes. You've got a story to tell. You, 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 all of our testimonies, my mother told me as a boy, I started telling this, to, to, this story. You're going to get a kick out of this. Because my, I would hear stories like yours, stories like Lonnie's. I grew up in church my whole life. I was born on the mission field. I'd be like, I don't have a cool testimony. So we, we had this home for all these kids in the early 70s who ran away from home and were doing drugs and stuff. And so they had all these, I was shooting up back alleys. I was this and this. I didn't have that. I got saved at seven. I got filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues at nine. You know, mine was boring in my book. And so I started saying, yeah, I started doing drugs. I started smoking pot, which was a lie. I never smoked pot in my life. You know, I've (laughs) never smoked pot in my life. And all of a sudden, I, I, but I'm telling this story and my mom stops me one day and she goes, Robbie, you're lying. She goes, there's no need to, to, to tell that story. She goes, all of our stories are powerful because all of our stories are the stories of the blind man. Okay. Once I was blind, now I see. And there's such a truth to that. And once Lonnie saw, once Lonnie could see, he wanted everybody to see. Right. He wanted everybody. So he just started preaching. I'd write, how would you, and, 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 and I want to talk about still the Calvary Chapel piece of things, because I want to talk about, um, you know, when Lonnie did leave, um, I, I believe that, uh, I believe Greg's account, Greg Laurie's account is that he left as soon as, even before they had the tent. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't um, know either. Go ahead. Yeah. But I, but I know that in some point in there, you know, it was, uh, he was, he was, he, he, he had, Connie had Lonnie's wife. Yeah. Had come, which by the way, if I can interject just a little bit of her story, and this right. is me quoting from her, you know, she was uh, sunbathing uh, naked on the beach and Lonnie walks up and starts preaching to her, which is, is not an unusual thing at that time. Now right. we would go how inappropriate, right. but at that time in the hippies, that was just, that was everywhere. There was right. nudity all over the place, right. you know? And Lonnie sat down beside her, starts sharing the gospel with her, and and she said everything made sense. Everything added up. I think she was 17, 18 years old at that time. She'd run away from home, was, right. I think, you know, selling herself even a little bit on the streets. If I remember her story correct, don't hold me to that. But um, all of a sudden, uh, he, he just said, you know, do you want to accept Jesus? And she goes, yeah. And he prayed with her. She accepted her. And he baptized her right then and there. And then took her to the, I believe, took her to the big house Probably, in, yeah. in San Francisco right away. Now, at Calvary Chapel, during this, Lonnie's going out preaching every day. 
Yes. He's got he's hitting the beaches, he's hitting the streets, he's sharing the gospel, he's bringing all these people. Right. Which let me say a young man like Lonnie who had been through if we can hit on this just a little bit, Lonnie had been through some horrific sexual abuse. Right. From a neighbor boy. Right. Is that correct? That's correct. And we don't we we're going to unpack that as we go. But I want to hit this point because that sexual abuse, which if I remember Lonnie said your mother favored this young man because he saw him as clean cut, saw him as a good kid, saw the exterior, but didn't realize what was happening behind the scenes. Didn't know that he was sexually abusing Lonnie, forcing him to take showers, molesting him. And yet, even in Lonnie's words, I believe it was from book two in this. I think it's this book, or it may be the first one. Right. Uh, he be, he says, you know, your mother was saying you should be more like him and rebuked him when he tried to tell his mother uh, about that. Jeanette was your mother's name? Jeanette, yes. Yeah, and, and of course, in her defense, there wasn't a lot of this being reported back then. That's right. There were no child and family services to turn to. There was no real help. If you went to a school teacher, you you may get your hand slapped for even bringing it up, or or you were considered being dirty. Right. You know, I had a family member that even way back, you know, in the fifties, reported something to somebody, and they got spanked for even saying it, and they had done nothing wrong. They just, they had been touched, and so this was a different era and a different time. Right. But. And and I want you to speak to that, but I want to say this. It appears to me that because of that wound yes. and that seeking the approval of Ray, which Ray had gone with this other woman, seeking the approval then of, of wow. uh, Lyle, which was not, he was not Lonnie's father That's biologically. Right. So there was probably a, dis, a, a, a detachment a bit because of not being a biological father. But Lonnie was constantly seeking the approval of a father. Well, then all of a sudden, and forgive me for filling in this as, as the blanks, all of a sudden, Chuck Smith is going, good job. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. There's the approval, a father's approval. How much of that do you think played into Lonnie even being driven in the part of ministry? Yes, he loved the Lord. He was impacted by the Lord. He wanted to obey the Lord. But there was all, all of a sudden this affirmation of somebody. What can you speak to that a little bit, or what your sense is of well, that? it was Lonnie's natural thing to just go, go, go in the Lord, bringing people to the Lord. Yeah, and uh, and so when it came time for Chuck to tell him, you need balance in your marriage, you need to spend some time with your wife. He didn't do that, right? And I think that made Connie upset. Sure. And uh, so he didn't get good counsel and balance. And so, but also Connie said that Chuck said to her, "Connie, all that matters is people. People getting saved is people getting saved." So really, Chuck's not giving her the pastoral counsel right. either. You're right. He's not protecting that marriage either. Right. Even though in the movie it depicts him saying, "I'll have a talk with Lonnie," which he did by saying this. But still, his response to her was, as you just said, all that matters is that people are getting saved. How confusing to get this affirmation from Chuck, 
for all of these wonderful things he's doing for his church, right? And bringing people to Christ, which clearly was not Chuck's gift, right? Uh, because it didn't happen before Lonnie showed up. True, true. So now it shows up. Now it's happening. How, 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 what do you think was happening in of because you're his brother? What do you think was happening in the internal struggle of Lonnie with all that? Well, Lonnie got to do the things that he loved to do. And then he had a girl named Debbie Kerner, and she was a worship leader. She was a worship leader, and uh, every day he went with her and evangelized. They'd go to parks, jails, schools, and she would play, and he would uh, preach and bring people to the Lord. So that's what they did every day. And so that's where Connie got left out. Yeah. And so she was, he, she was left out by going into, by his going into the ministry stuff, but she, he wasn't bringing her along right. really. That's right. That's right. Yeah. In, into this. And so w- what do you think in the eternal struggle for Lonnie, like, was it, do you think it was a confusion of getting the affirmation of a father figure like Chuck, but then also getting, Hey, wait a minute, but take care of your wife and. That, that may have confused him a bit. Well, see, I don't think very many people told him, take care of your wife. That's what I was trying to get to, yeah, really. And, and yeah. so Don, Lonnie's doing the thing that he loves. Yeah. So it, it's almost to get him to get him to slow down and not do the thing you love. Yeah. And so it's almost like an addiction. Right. Like, but, but with his talent, but with his anointing and gifting from God. Right. That he's going out and doing what God gave him as a talent. As a, as a calling. So balance wasn't in the picture. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Just like in the drug world, balance wasn't in the picture. One of the things that people really need to know is that the Jesus Revolution film leaves a lot of stuff out. Yes. Like it's an incomplete story, really. What are your thoughts on the film? The story is a story about Greg Laurie and Chuck Smith, and it barely touches on Lonnie, and it doesn't show how Lonnie really was. Uh, Lonnie always respected Chuck. He never tried to take over the church. Uh, He never would have interrupted Chuck. No, no. And he considered Chuck his spiritual father, and that he gives Chuck credit for the Bible. because Chuck always required Lonnie to have a sermon, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so in the movie, they don't talk about how Lonnie brings great glory to the Lord in Harbor High School. It uh, kind of acts like Lonnie fades out, goes away, blah, 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 in a year and a half. Well, that isn't true at all. It's just they faced into the, the vineyard movement. Yeah. And so... Um, Before going into that, he yeah. went into the shepherding movement right. to, to right. try to save the marriage. That's right. And then came back, but but pick back up with the movie. I'm sorry. So everybody that knew the story had the same question. Like, what do you think? Oh, the actor was twice as Lonnie's age, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it just didn't depict Lonnie as how Lonnie was or how God used him. It, it, it's like, it, to me, it's like they had to put Lonnie in there because he was in the beginning. But then they didn't show correctly how it was with Lonnie because it wasn't the focus on the movie. Right. So then everybody in the world is asking, what do, 
people that know what do you, what do you think what what do you think about this movie? So I want everybody to go see the movie because it's evangelistic and it makes them wonder about Lonnie. And then I want to recommend all three of Lonnie books. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Roger Sachs wrote three books. Lonnie talked into a tape recorder enough to do three books and gave Roger Sachs the permission to do it. And this, when you read a book, it's like Lonnie talking to you. Um, it's not somebody, it's not an author's opinion. It's Lonnie talking. And book one is, is about uh, Lonnie's life, beginning life. Book two is the middle of his career in the, in, the, in, the, in the Jesus movement. And book three is about dedicated to set free a biker church in Phil Aguilar because Phil Aguilar's church took care of Lonnie when he really needed it the most. Yeah. And uh, all of them are called not by might, not by power. Yeah. And but it's book one, book two, book three. Yeah. And then the bottom, uh, Jesus Revolution, book one, the Great Commission, book two, and Set Free, book three. Which and, Roger has a website that we'll post up that has where you can buy all three books in a bundled set right now. Okay. And and what what did you see else in the movie that was that was not a, a, a quite accurate depiction? Maybe more Greg's perspective, but certainly not what the rest of us have heard in reading these books of Lonnie. Right. I think I referred it earlier as homogenized milk. <laughs> it's processed. Yeah, yeah. And made it um, the way Greg Glory wanted it to go. So uh, I'm glad the movie's out there. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he put the money out to, to, to do the movie. But uh, in the reality, it's a lot more powerful and the Holy Spirit moving than how it's pro- projected in the movie. Now, at the end of the movie, it shows Chuck Smith giving keys to Greg Laurie for a church. But actually, what? let's okay. talk about what really happened with the Riverside okay. Church. Lonnie, this has to do with Fred and Ruth Waugh. Lonnie mm. would go up there, start like a home group or something, and they helped them get this going. And eventually, they had about 200 people, and I think they moved from, uh, from the, the living room into a building. And this was Lonnie's. This is Lonnie. Started this yeah, group Lonnie. in Fred and Ruth Wall's house. And so it was established. And then when Lonnie went to uh, Florida to save his marriage, Chuck Smith sent pastors up to babysit that church that Lonnie started. And uh, the one that took care of it the most was Greg Laurie. Mm-hmm. That's how Greg Laurie en- ended up with that church. Now, the part about who was Lonnie's disciple. Greg was yeah, Lonnie's yeah. disciple. Yes, that's right. And Lon- yeah. Greg dressed like Lonnie. Mm-hmm. But then then what happened, so Greg emulated Lonnie for a long time. But then Greg got connected with Chuck. Greg really was taken under the wing of Chuck Smith and nurtured. And then I don't know about the keys and the buying of the building. I'm sure that probably happened. Mm-hmm. But but the other part was Lonnie started the 200 people that became the Harvest Church right. in Riverside. And that wasn't mentioned. Right. Okay. That's right. And so they completely cut Lonnie out of that. And uh, so what I'm saying is what really happened. Yeah. Okay? 
and everybody tells me it's the the in the movies you can kind of like tweak it a little bit and and because you can't afford to do certain things and so they made it more simple now what happened from my understanding in reading these books I've read all these books I've written endorsements for them but what actually happened too is Chuck Smith became so uncomfortable when Lonnie would pray for people they would get hit by the power of the Holy Spirit right Holy Spirit would show up people would get healed right now I have a theory about this, if I may throw this in there. When pastors don't operate in a particular gifting, yes, they typically will get threatened by that gifting when it shows up. And I think my, just my opinion, I wasn't there. You lived this. This was your brother, not mine. But I, 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 I see a rub that would probably start occurring between Lonnie and Chuck. Chuck actually made a move. When I heard about this, I was shocked. He put the prayer, he stopped letting Lonnie pray for people at the end of service in public. What did he do? The hungry people stayed after the church, after the service. They went into a side room, and people got prayed for. They received the Holy Spirit. They fell off in power, learned to get tongues. And so Lonnie could operate in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Well, and Chuck told people, told Lonnie, if uh, they fall down, you're going to, uh, we're going to shut this down. And so Lonnie told people, he says, if. And uh, Debbie even verified that. Debbie Conner, she, yeah. Debbie says Lonnie was praying for them, holding them by their hair. Hold them up. So they wouldn't fall down because so he was afraid he'd get fired. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and and so, so, so putting it behind those walls. Go ahead. Sorry. So, um. When Lonnie left and they still had afterglow, it wasn't an afterglow. It was a continuation of the preaching. So it just went to another preaching. The, the power segment. went away. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so and so when Lonnie left, somebody asked Chuck, what are we going to do now that Lonnie left? And Chuck says, this is not going to be no Pentecostal church. And soon after that, he went with the term logos, word. The word. So, so Calvary became a word church, and we need word and spirit, okay? Come on. Jesus said that. We need word and spirit. So now this is you saying this. I'm saying that. Yeah. And, and so that's why I go to Vineyard, and the story's going to come up in a little while about how the Vineyard yeah. happened. But, That'll be in uh, our part two. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we need, in life, we need a balance, Okay. Come on. And so we need uh, we need word, mm-hmm. and we need spirit together, flowing with God. You know. And so, uh, doing Christianity without Bible, without without the Spirit, to me becomes like works, because you have half, and who's filling in the other half? Wasn't that the Jews? <laughs> They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They just had the Word. They right. just had that, yeah. but without the without the power of the Spirit and yeah. the presence Having of the Spirit. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power therein. Hello. But but how do you function as a Christian without the Holy Spirit? So you you have to do your part with the Word, but you don't have the Spirit. Yeah. And, and Jesus said, "Wait upon the Lord." And Acts, you know, wait upon the Holy Spirit. You know, let me th- let me throw out something that's interesting. You may not know this. But there was actually a vineyard. I was a vineyard pastor for 17 and a half years. 
uh, and uh, still have very strong connections in the vineyard. But uh, one of our national conferences, one of the national directors began to go that direction and say, we need to focus more on the preaching, less on signs and wonders. And he actually was going to do away with ministry time at the end of the service and wanted it to start 30 minutes after the conference ended, and he called it Afterglow. Really? But that got shut down by the national board because they said, no way that we're going back to those times where Chuck had done that. Now, thank God somebody spoke up and stopped that. I immediately wrote an email to all the board members and said, are we really going to repeat history here? But there, you're saying something, Stan, that's so profound and so true because we are in a current time where people, some people are even abandoning the word. Some people are even abandoning the truth of the word of God. And they're skipping that and, and definitely skipping the Holy Spirit. I mean, looking at the church in the West right now, it's a little bit hard to recognize, is this the church of the Lord Jesus Christ or not? We're in dangerous freaking waters right now, my friend. In the last days, good will be called evil, and evil will be called good. That's it. That's it. And so we're in a place of turnaround. This segment, and this is our wrap-up here, is so important to me because we are in a crisis. Now, by the grace of God, something's happening in our nation right now. By the grace of God, we're seeing an outbreak of the Spirit and a moving happening on our campuses. I was just at Asbury a week, week and a half ago, and was uh, witnessing part of that and seeing what was taking place. And so something's stirring. And I even think with this movie coming out, despite the inaccuracies that are in it, like you said, thank God the gospel is being preached. Yes. And I believe the Lord's going to use it to bring many people to Christ. I know it touched Kelsey Grammer in a powerful, profound way. Right, right. And thank God for that. And thank God for these people, even though Jonathan is way too tall to play Lonnie. <laughs> And, and, and too old to play too Lonnie. Yeah. Um, it still is, it's a powerful witness for the gospel and for what took place. At least it's at least it's their version, you know, at least something is going out of the of the of the truth. But that that is causing, and what's what I'm talking to people, you're verifying here too. People all over the nation are going, what about this Lonnie Frisbee? Yeah, yeah what about? Yeah. And so I want to encourage everybody to get Roger's books. Amen. Go to those books, go to those, and and share this segment because people need to know this. They need to know that Lonnie, yes, a broken individual, aren't we all? Isn't that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he uses the broken, the hurting, the wounded to preach the purest, most holy message that will transform every life that is broken and hurting and wounded? Isn't that the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so when God starts picking perfect people, all of us are out. So when he picked the disciples, fishermen, carpenters, he didn't go to the um, university. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Preach that. <laughs> so he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So good. And, uh, and so people can't take credit for it, and they shouldn't. Stan Frisbee, I'm so glad you came on today. So glad that you're a part of this. And I'm so glad, and I want us to, in the second segment, you don't want to miss, because Stan's really a prophetic man, and he teaches on the prophetic. He equips people in the prophetic. 
Uh, there's not just one Frisbee that's a minister of the gospel. Uh, Stan is equally a minister of a gospel and a very humble leader, and I've, I so respect you for that. And so we're going to talk about that in our next segment, and we're going to get into Lonnie's uh, you know, history and how the vineyard got started out of Lonnie preaching at another Calvary Chapel. And Mother's Day. And what happened there. Thank you for coming on, Stan. I value you. You're my friend, and I appreciate you. you. And we're so glad to have you. And stay tuned in. Please share this segment. Uh, This is Radical Radio. Share it. Like it. Spread the word. We want everybody to know the truth of what is happening and what has happened in the Church of Jesus Christ. Until next time, stay radical. This week's podcast is brought to you by Robbie Dawkins Ministries. Do you know someone who would be impacted by today's episode? Share it with them and let us know what they think. Subscribe or follow this podcast so you don't miss our next episode. You can also leave us a review, like, comment, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Until next time, stay radical.